the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for being a part of the show. I dedicate the show to getting us to retirement. I pledge if you listen, I'll do something during that show that hopefully you taught you something a little bit more about how money works or doesn't work. Um, I'm not quite sure I'm saying that exactly the way I want to, but you got the idea. You get the idea. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. A lot more focus, again, still on the president and how this is all playing out. Maybe how it's not playing out. Um, hold on, I gotta fix the screen real quick. There we go. That's better. Um, taking a look at some of the top stories of the day, and I'll get to the top stocks in just a minute. Um, some of the top stories of the day is telehealth. Telehealth is going through some big changes. And again, one of the things I like about COVID-19, and it's tough to say you like something that's killed a million people. It's very, very tough to say that. But telehealth, and we're kind of practicing it, we're kind of figuring it out. Consumers' rankings of telehealth so far um, very much so strongly favor Amwell and Doctor on Demand, not so much Teladoc and MD Live. So we're starting to get enough people who've used these services and give their feedback on them. And that'll lead to some improvement. Zoom got a nice upgrade this morning because the analyst said they're the best at, at doing this. And we expect them to figure out ways to continue to monetize it. It's got a lot of competition out there with Microsoft and Google, um, Cisco and others. Uh, but they've got kind of a first mover advantage with the school systems, it feels like. Um, but telehealth with users going direct to consumer, vendors are highly satisfied on a 1000 point scale. Patients recently asked, um, on Amwell and they got a pretty good top score, 885 out of a thousand patients have been swarming to telehealth amid the pandemic and telehealth vendors have responded by diversifying their offerings. Now it's going to get kind of interesting because large insurers are beginning to retract their telehealth coverage policies. And they're expanding, which were expanded during the pandemic, which could put off consumers who began using telehealth for a very slim price point. Now the doctors are going to want a little bit more money, and the insurers are going to want a little bit more money. As it's, it's, as it's maturing, will we stay as happy with it as we can? Non-ewers may not be as enticed to try telehealth in lieu of in-person care if the trade-off of reduced spending isn't there from the get-go. I, I, I get that. Um, when I've got a, a funny red thing on my, my buttocks, I'm not sure how comfortable I'm going to be to pull down my pants and show it to a camera. <laughs> my neighbor walks in, hey, Rob, I was just going to see if I can borrow a cup of sugar. 
I might want that done in person. But you get the idea. Yesterday, I, I talked about Social Security, the average recipient gets about $18,163. And I got a lot of emails from people saying, I can't live off of that. What am I going to do? Good question. Back to telehealth, one of the stocks I, I like right now, I don't own, but I think it's something that that intrigues me is GoodRx. A couple years ago, I did a story on Cron 4, Channel News, um, on GoodRx. It's an app. And let's say that red thing, I'm, that pimple on my, my buttocks needs to be like treated with, let's say, a steroid or an anti-inflammatory. Let's go anti-inflammatory. It's all red and pussy. Um, I can ha- go get my telehealth doctor, show him my buttocks. He goes, ooh, ooh, you need some antibiotics for that. He'll write me a prescription. And at that point in time, I can now look, who's got it cheaper? CVS, Walgreens, or um, the local pharmacist. The app will tell me who has it cheaper right now. And when you're old, that that $18,163 has to go far. And you're taking seven pills a day sometimes. GoodRx makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm surprised they haven't been acquired by someone who wants to help keep drug costs down. Maybe Merck or Pfizer acquires them and puts them out of business. I don't know. There's my conspiracy theory of the day. Roku has a new Fire TV app. Like I said in the last hour, they've done some really smart things in the past. They have their own channel. They have their own hardware. Their own channel, you could watch shows like ALF. I know you're saying, ALF? Wasn't it an 80s cartoon that kind of had a Muppet in it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, And you know what ALF stood for? ALF? Alien life form, right? Um, Yes! Alex, I'll take alien life forms for 200. This small alien liked peanuts, Reese's M&M's. Uh, Alf? No, 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 no. It was E.T. Come on. Anyway, um, Roku has dusted off its plans to get into new areas. So they're getting, they're firing up the Fire TV app. Like, hold on. Let me think about this for a second. The app provides a free catalog of ad-supported movies and shows along with its ad-supported live channels for news and entertainment. If you've ever subscribed to any premium video service through Roku, you can access those on the Fire TV as well. Though you can't sign up for new ones through the app. Um, The Roku channel catalog has a lot of overlap with other free streaming services, such as Tubby, Tubby TV, and Amazon's own IMDB TV. Um, I bring that up in large part because... Roku and Amazon, they're working together on this, and Amazon's selling TVs now with their own product. So when I go and I look up a Sony TV, Amazon's showing me an Amazon Fire TV, and that's one of the reasons they're getting kind of investigated. That doesn't seem terribly fair, but Amazon and Roku, they they could work together down the road. It's not like Amazon doesn't have the money to acquire subscribers. Anyhow, CNBC is reporting that Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said he thinks a stimulus deal is needed, but it's unlikely before the election. Um, President Trump wants it badly now, so says the White House, and Nancy Pelosi's still at the negotiating table, probably looking for something in the, in the area of $500 billion now, maybe a trillion later. 
after the election? I don't know. ESPN reporter Adam Schefter is tweeting that a player on the Jets um, likely got COVID and coaches and players were all sent home. Companies like DraftKings and Penn National Gaming are moving lower because they all do sports books. And after the NBA season concludes, I believe tonight, um, there's a very good chance that the NFL is the only game in town. And if that goes away, we won't have gambling until COVID is over, legalized gambling. Um, NVIDIA was downgraded to sell from neutral. That's interesting because that stock is on fire. The firm that downgraded them sees that data center and gaming, they just got new chips. They just got new chips. And now those chips are meant to last 12 months, 24, 36 months till new ones come out in the product cycle. So they said, basically, you bought on the excitement, you're selling on the news. They see these cycles peaking at the end of the year, leading to disappointment in 2021. It's an interesting call. Especially, uh, I tend not to like negative calls, just because we bought pet rocks in the United States, but I'm not saying that one's wrong. Um, But I'm not saying it's right either, because we bought pet rocks. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. There's a lot of stuff that I don't know and I don't pretend to know. I don't know if the dams in the country are destroying the rivers. I don't know if we're dumping too much water in the sea. I don't know stuff like that. My brain handles money, and that's about it. I'm good at money because I don't have a lot of emotions. I had a father who was an alcoholic, and I just tried to please him and not get not get my hopes up and not get too down. Um, so I don't have a lot of emotions. I'm great at money. I'm fantastic. I don't have a weird relationship with it. I don't look at a brand-new car and go, ooh, brand-new car. I go, I don't want to work till the day I die. That's my thing. I saw my dad work till the day he died. Marijuana stocks. There was one thing in the debate that piqued my interest in reading the transcripts. Was Kamala Harris just said a Biden administration would decriminalize marijuana if they win. She's caught a lot of flack, both positive and negative, for being an attorney general who went after marijuana. And I don't know if those were her marching orders. I don't, this is where, like I said, I don't. I'm just not that smart. But cannabis stocks are soaring again. Because a Biden administration would decriminalize marijuana, in theory, in, on the federal level. So Cura Leaf, Harvest Health, uh, Apria, which is A-P-H-R-I-A, um, for the win. Um, the entire sector has been energized because of the debate. Cura Leaf is the biggest U.S. cannabis company by market cap. They jumped 10% yesterday. Um, Cresco Labs, over 5%. Uh, there's a company based out of Florida named True Leave. They jump more than 3%. There is a cannabis ETF in America. You could go out and buy an exchange-traded fund. It's like an index fund. Um, I like ETFs. I'm fine with ETFs. They're very low cost usually. Uh, if you want to go, what, what you could do if you don't know the marijuana names, you can go punch in this ETF. Ticker symbol is MSOS. And you'll see the shares that are owned in it. 
and suddenly you are up to speed on the most important marijuana plays. And then this weekend you can do research on them if you want to. And how do you do research, you ask? Um, well, if you have an account with Fidelity, Schwab, Vanguard, any major brokerage house, you log into your account, and there's going to be a, a tab there called Research. And you can start punching in the ticker symbols and see what the analysts have written about it. Some of the research is better than others. Some of it will make sense to you. Some of it will like maybe turn you off or turn you on. I'm not a big fan of marijuana stocks, but I know that it's going to be a story if Biden gets elected. So I have to brush up on it again to make sure I'm not wrong. Two years ago, when we started legalizing it in more states, and in particular, the United States of Canada, and when Canada legalized it as a whole country, Wall Street lost their mind over, over marijuana stocks. Um, there's another ETF tied towards it, uh, HMMJ, HMMJ, and another one, MJ. That's the ticker symbol I like the most because that's clearly marijuana. HM, is that hemp, HM, and MJ marijuana? So the ticker symbols are HMMJ and MJ. Um, but here's the trick. It's really easy to grow marijuana. Now, if you're the company that's starting to make the marijuana sleepy drinks, that may be an interesting investment because if you do well, Coca-Cola and Pepsi would be crazy not to buy you. Um, if you're a biotech company who's trying to come up with some alternative treatments to for pain, I'm good with that. You know, for nausea, I get it. Um, cancer is a problem in the United States. Cancer is going to kill more people than COVID this year. So if there was an investment play on COVID, we would talk about it in exciting ways. But if there's investment play on cancer, we're like, eh, it's, it's marijuana. It's easy to grow. That's sticky icky for his glaucoma. Yeah. So that's a story out there. Another story out there today is Microsoft is letting employees work from home permanently. What? While a vast majority of Microsoft employees are still working from home during the ongoing pandemic, the software maker has unveiled hybrid workplace guides to allow for far greater flexibility once U.S. offices open. Now they're going to let employees work from home freely for less than 50% of their working week. Employees who opt for the permanent remote work option will be given their assigned office space, but still have to have options to use touchdown space um, at Microsoft offices. So Microsoft is saying... We're never going back to a complete workforce in our office. Some are going to be remote all the time. Some are going to be some of the time. Some of them are going to be on site all the time. We're going to figure this out as a group, and we're going to change the workplace. For anyone who has kids, you're like, wait, wait, I can work hybrid at home and like maybe half day. I don't have to get daycare. That's a bonus. I like the Microsoft leadership. And as they said in the movie Dumb and Dumber, when Jim Carrey was talking about the the beautiful female star in the movie, I believe her name was Lauren Holly, he goes, I like her a lot. <laughs> I don't really know what he said, but it sounds like I like her a lot. I like this a lot. So I'm totally good with uh, 21st century workplace. And that tells me companies like Zoom and home offices are going to continue to do well. So the home office upgrade, it's fascinating. Herman Miller sells office chairs, and they're having one of the best quarters ever. As more people started working from home, they needed office chairs. They needed desk space. 
Um, as the kids went back to school in September, I was like, I got to paint every room. I got to refresh the house because we're not getting out of the house ever, it feels like. Anyhow, three in five workers in America age 55 and over may retire in poverty when they reach 65. 61% of people over 55. That's a stunning number. Poverty is not good. If you... We had a lot of job losses because of COVID that aren't going to come back. We're still about 10 million short from where we need to be. And we kind of reopened. That's why we're talking about needs for stimulus. This is where I don't want to end the weekend on a... It's the middle earners who got hurt. And again, the separation between the rich and the poor, it got more dramatic during COVID. You got to take care of your own retirement, people. Um, do an Acorns account, bump up your 401k, probably work till the day you die. If you're in the middle, it's it's not pretty right now. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and your money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. Little AJR, told about them yesterday, a band that I kind of fell in love with two years ago. What's interesting to note about that is this song burned the whole house down. When you watch NBA games, they're playing it almost every time they go to break. Like, you kind of like go, yeah, that, that's my that's my band. You get a little personally excited for them, right? They're interesting because this song is structured with trumpets because it's good for a live show. And how do artists make money today? Live shows? Well, they don't today. But they write music with the idea of performing it. I like that. Speaking of performers, let's bring in Tony Mendez. He's from BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Um, Tony, I want to start with a question that I got on an email this week, and I just kind of addressed it, and I want to see where you go with this. Um, she said, my husband and I respect your opinion. It runs tandem with your financial advice. We're looking to buy a home, but my husband, a second home, a retirement home, a home away from the area. He thinks the housing market is going to take a serious dip. They're looking in Lathrop, Manteca for, uh, for affordability for the size of home that they want. They're able to put cash down 20 to 30% on a $500,000 and $600,000 home. Um, they want to be far enough away from the grandkids one day. I love all of it, but I I felt they're looking for the affordability of Manteca. You're probably not going to see a big housing correction in the more affordable areas as you would in the more expensive areas. So I don't know if it's worth waiting with rates so low. What are your thoughts? Uh, well, good morning. Uh, that's a good question. Um, I like I like working on a scenario like this going backwards. And you start with rates. A lot of people are looking at capturing the lowest rates we've ever seen in the history of mortgages. Um, and so it does give people options to go, do I want to go to Manteca or do I want to go a little bit farther? Um, what range do I want to stay in? Am I able to board a little bit more? But you, you did hit it right on the nose. It, the the affordable range is something that we talk about all the time, especially yeah. in the Bay Area because, um, it, you know, inventory is tight. Prices keep going up lately. 
Um, is that going to happen in other areas? And it has, yes. We've seen like places like El Dorado County, which is one of the number one places in the United States that people are looking to buy because it is an affordable area. So I feel much more comfortable about buying something in an affordable area right now because other people will continue looking for affordable houses down the road. Okay. Um, so station-run rate scenarios at this point in time are... I, I still think people... It's so funny, because when I got in this industry 20 years ago, I don't think people cared what the mortgage rate was. They said, I could afford $2,000 a month, or I could afford 2500 or I'm renting for 2500 therefore I'll buy for 3000 because I'm getting some tax deductions. To me, it's how much can you afford versus what the rate is. It just so happens rates are probably as good as they're ever going to get, but I keep saying that, and they keep going lower. But I can't imagine breaking the 2% area on a 30-year mortgage, but if we do, we're in trouble, is my thought. Back to yeah. you. Believe it or not, there are people who are calling us and saying, um, you know, I'm waiting for rates to go lower. I think really what they're saying is they're waiting to see what happens with the election. Uh, we're all in uncharted territory. Um, I'm not saying these people are being greedy, but, you know, you have to remember that over the last several years, people have been getting rates in the threes, which they never thought they would get either. So they're pretty comfortable with what they have, and then they had to start looking at the cost of getting a loan. Do you remember the, the lender that advertised a 30-year fixed at 1.99%, and the phone just went off the hook? But it cost too much money to get, so nobody really got it. That's a little bit – that happens in all industries. It's over-promise and under-deliver. Um, but you got the person running their credit. They're a little bit deep into the process, and sometimes they'll yeah, stick. Yeah, they feel tied in, yeah. Yeah, I hear that. So uh, thanks for answering that. Back to you. Um, do you think get rates can go lower? I think they're going to go up and down and bounce off the bottoms. They're really close to the bottoms right now, even though the, the 10-year yield, which is kind of the benchmark behind the 30-year fixed, um, is a little higher than it was. Yep. I think it's right around 0.76 today, yep. I believe. But, yeah, I think they can go down a little bit. But the, 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 mar- the way that the – that these securities are sold, you know, with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, you know, turn these into mortgage-backed securities, the lowest rate that it could ever go is 2.25%, unless there's something catastrophic happens. And I think we're already experiencing that right now with COVID. So two and a half was really some of the, the lowest that we saw, and they're still available right now in, you know, really good scenarios with good credit score, good equity. So I wouldn't get too greedy. I wouldn't expect it to go in much lower. Okay. Um, with that said, um, the Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell, has said he's going to keep rates low for two years. That's a very, very long time without movement. He doesn't have to legally stand by that. But does that mean mortgages should stay in a lower range for up to two years? Or is there a little bit of break from that? There is going to be some disconnect as we see you know, the... the the Fed's plan is to kind of spur inflation, spur jobs. That's their main goal with keeping these rates low. So if we see the markets, other markets, the stock market, um, home prices keep going up, I think we will see inflation turn into higher interest rates. So but when, how long will that take? Uh, is it going to be a, a vaccine that does it? Is it going to be, a, you know, Trump or, a, a, you know, the, um, Biden? You know, it, it, we really don't know. It's because we are all in uncharted territory right now. Okay. Um, I'm speaking with Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. 
Um, let's go with the 15-year mortgage, a very popular mortgage for paying off your mortgage early. Less interest is the concept. A little bit of a lower rate. Most people don't live in a home for 30 years. 15 seems more appropriate. So it's it's much maligned at times, but it's also relied on at times. When's, what's your thought on the 15-year at this point? I think it's a great rate. You can get sub uh, sub 3%, obviously. I think the average right now is about two and a half. Better scenarios can get lower than that. It all depends on your your, your payment threshold. You have to remember a 15-year payment compared to a 30-year payment is going to be almost um, you know one third higher. But okay. you're going to pay off your loan in 15 years. So what a lot of lenders have done, especially the one that we use, they came out with what they call a flex loan. So you might look at a 15-year and go, that just doesn't make sense. I'd rather do a 22-year a loan that fits my schedule and fits my timeline, my budget. So they offer these flex loans now. So that's been very popular as well. But, you know, when it comes to paying off your house early, a lot of people can't commit, you know, to that 15-year payment. So they just get the 30-year fix, and they kind of self-amortize. They make the 15-year payment when they can. Yeah. And then they go to the 30 years on the, the 30 year payment when they can't. Which is interesting because in my industry, what we say is go with a 30 year. Why put additional risk on your side of the fence by paying off a mortgage early, especially in California where homes tend to burn down these days? Um, let the bank deal with that loss of uh, principal, not necessarily you, um, and invest the rest. I like the 30 year payment. There was a joke, you know, if there was a 45-year payment, Rob Black would love the 45-year payment. And again, invest the rest because investing beats home returns over periods of time in the United States of upwards of 40-plus years in big cities like New York, Chicago, San Francisco, L.A. Um, it's not even a brainer. Uh, it's, in the big cities, you would think real estate would rocket, and they don't compare to investments in stock market. Anyway. Yeah, robbing Peter to pay Paul is, is – uh, a lot of people do it. A lot of people – even my family does it. There's, I have a family member who puts more money into their houses than they do. They have no retirement. So be careful about that. And what he does with his houses, he buys them on the beach. Which yeah. It tends to be hurricanes on the East Coast that tends to knock this down every few years. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Last question, Tony Mendez, com. Are jumbo loans available again? Because we went through a period, it's tough to write off a jumbo loan now, or it gets tougher when you get above 750000 to a million dollars, and it gets a little bit tricky. Um, what are you seeing in the jumbo loan market? It's coming back. The At one point, it was only available to the large banks, and they were really, really hard to get. You had to have a lot of some banks even made you have like $250,000 in their bank before you get a jumbo loan. Credit score requirements were higher. Reserve requirements are higher. All of this is coming back to what they call wholesale lenders, which is available to brokers. So we are, and we're seeing the rates come back as well. So it, the thing about jumbos right now, it's still on the threshold of being accepted by everybody. So you're going to see a lot of rate differences. So it does, it does, uh, there's a benefit to shopping. A jumbo loan. So uh, they are back. We're very happy to see that. Sounds good. You can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. I'm Rob Black. That's Tony Mendez. He also does a show here on AM 1220 KDOW Thursdays at 6 p.m. with his partner, Gordon Hines at BayAreaLoanSource.com. So back to me. U.S. equity market is breaking out with broad-based participation right now. 
Small caps doing well and cyclical stocks are doing well, despite uncertainty with the looming election next month, which we've now started to dub an event horizon where we can't see what's behind it. We continue to adapt to a more normal new economy, but it is the post-COVID economy that we're talking about, not the pre-COVID economy. The market has potential catalysts to look forward to in stimulus down the road. The economy continues to recover from the two-month pandemic lockdown-induced recession we had this spring, while the recovery remains uneven and uncertain as the pandemic persists. Um, it's certainly going to play out into a little bit into next year. Joe Biden right now has a 67% chance to win on a, an election website that tends to get it more right than wrong. But last year at this time, Hillary Clinton had a 61% chance of winning, and we all see how that turned out. Some people say she won. I'm not going there. Um, I'm a little bit skeptical of valuations, but with monetary stimulus from the Federal Reserve and with potential fiscal stimulus from the United States government, it's, that's trumping the valuation case in my head. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Do you remember in the 80s there was a commercial that I think by today's standards it couldn't exist? Uh, a wife, beautiful Caucasian woman, gets her husband a work shirt, and the collar's all nice and clean or dirty. And uh, they look at it, and she has to do figure it out. And the next day, she uh, gives him a shirt with a collar, and it's all nice and clean. And she goes, "How did you do it?" And uh, ancient Chinese secret. Um, which is kind of, it was, you can't do that now. I don't think you can. Um, but that goes into, uh, you know, a myth out there, a rumor, a thought that, you know, the Chinese can't tell, they can't keep secrets. Companies like Apple and Google lose their mind that they spend all this money on a phone and get it manufactured in China and it, it leaks, Pictures of it leak, the camera leaks, the case leaks, everything leaks. We know everything about a phone before the big launch. There's no ooh-ah moments if on the internet. Well, guess what just happened? The new iPhone 12s have leaked from China. The iPhone 12 mini is going to um, launch on November 13th, 14th. The iPhone 12, oh, that's going to be $699, the first one. And it's going to be 5.4 inches. The iPhone 12 is 6.1 inches. It's going to launch on October 23rd, 24th. The iPhone 12 Pro, the Pro is the thing that I want you to pay attention to here. This is Apple's new thing. MacBook Pros, AirBook Pros, AirPod Pros. Uh, Pro basically means you're paying a premium. Okay? That phone jumps up to $999. 128 gig storage, 256 storage, 512 storage, you make the pick. Uh, gold, silver, graphite, blue. The colors get better the more you pay. That's going to launch October 23rd, 24 as well. Now, the iPhone 12 Pro Max, this is the mega one because you're getting two buzzwords on it, Pro and Max. You're going to be paying out the, the yin-yang. <clears throat> Doctor, I got a problem with my yin-yang. That's priced at $1,100. It's so just $100 more, but you get that extra word on it. 
same storage configuration, um, a little bit better optical zoom, five times versus four times, a little bit better focal length, 65 millimeters versus 52. I don't know if people could tell the difference. Um, the colors about the same as the pro, but it's 6.7 inches versus 6.1 inches. So for an extra 0.6 inches and one times optical zoom, you're essentially paying an extra hundred dollars. And that's going to launch November 20th, 21st. Um, all four models will have OLED super retina uh, displays. All four of them will have new hardened ceramic shield glass. The new one. I don't know what that means. Um, all four are capable of shooting Dolby Vision video, offering a higher dynamic range. All phones will support 5G. Okay, let's talk about this a little bit further. Uh, 5G. There's an article in Bloomberg today that says this first phone is probably not going to be worth getting. Not because it won't be great, but because the phone companies don't have their act together. 5G is being embraced by all the phone makers this year. But the companies like AT&T, T-Mobile, and Verizon have yet to roll out 5G in a way that provides consistently higher data speeds or widespread coverage. If these companies do not dramatically upgrade their networks soon, many consumers buying the latest iPhone will find that this year's premier feature underwhelming. So Bloomberg basically told me today, eh, wait till you hear the reviews. I don't have to be first in line. The phones, I, I can afford the cheap one. I can afford the expensive one if I want. But if I'm doing it for the 5G, they're saying don't do it. Uh, the addition of 5G will be a talking point. At Tuesday's event, phone makers, including Samsung, started rolling out phones with 5G last year. Google announced their own 5G phone last month. Apple has asked suppliers to build as many as 80 million of the new iPhones because there's going to be demand for it because of, ooh, 5G. I own, I own shares of Apple, and here I am telling you I'm going to hold off on buying the new product. Um, the watch with the e- ECG, um, I've tried it. It's, it's cool. I had three straight uh, positives that, like, hey, I don't have a heartbeat that's beating irregularly. Um, I did the oxygen sensor thing, and I got three straight readings that are good, and then I'm like, what's a good reading? What's a bad reading? Around 60 is when you got pneumonia and are dying which would actually be good for all COVID patients to have to monitor their blood oxidation levels. It's one of the key signs that something's failing inside your lungs. And that's never a good thing. Um, So a big report basically saying there's no reason to rush out and get this until you get the review saying the speeds are where it's going to matter. After Apple rolled out its 4G LTE iPhone in 2012, major carriers built out their networks after the fact. Verizon is expected to announce a form of nationwide 5G as early as next week. But again, it's going to be a form of 5G. And by the time the networks get their 5G rolled out, we're going to be talking 6G, right? Because AT&T CEO last week said, that's coming. Oh, the big question on... Tuesday, will there be updates to their AirPods? Will there be updates to their AirPod, HomePod? Um, It's expected to be a smaller HomePod. The original released in 2016 never really grabbed market share. Meaningful. I like it. But again, I keep all all my electronics on one system. If I could buy an Apple TV, I would. 
because I know that it would work with my Apple speaker. If I could buy an Apple speaker, I would, because I know it's going to work with my Apple Music. If I could buy Apple Music, I'm going to buy it. If it's a package with my phone, I don't care about it. Like, you see, like I like that consistency. I hate going to Best Buy. I, back in the day, I hated going to Radio Shack and saying, hey, I need a... I got a Samsung TV and I got a, a Betamax done by a Sony. I can't get them to work together. And there's there's a fix for it, but you got to like figure it out and get the right cord and get the right workaround. You get old enough where you're like, just make it simple. Shouldn't it always have to be work? And that's what I say about relationships. If it's always work, you're doing something wrong. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at Rob Black Show or newfocusfinancial.com.